Behind the leg. Um, I always forget what actual music's at the beginning, but then I put it in, and then I'm like, oh yeah, it's this music. I should probably learn it, so I stop going. I still do 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 do, and I'm the one who puts the music in. Um, so today we're gonna talk a little bit about equestrian, like, multiculturally. All the in the world. If anyone yeah. has traveled, you'll realize that it's different most places you go. Yeah. The thing that um, got us talking about this is because Red went on this crazy journey in Mongolia that was all on horseback. And I asked her if there was a difference culturally with the way that they treated their horses or what they got out of the relationship with horses and riding and training and all of those kinds of things and she said absolutely it was like black and white so I said let's talk let's about talk it. About it. So, yeah. um, so, so I think I think my answer to you is was actually um, it'd be easier to tell you the similarities <laughs> because okay. the differences were so there's just an uncomparable, like just way too many differences to even start. Well, can I pinpoint the fact that from my idea, like I've only ever seen like pictures and advertisements of what mm -hmm. you did, yeah. and I haven't seen your pictures. Yeah. But from memory, what I've seen just from like a physical standpoint, the horses look different. They're, they're wild, small. small ponies, and they're quite square. Yeah. They're not our little riding mounted like riding ponies and all of that. Kind of like a. Rumby. Yeah, they're yeah, they're square in the face, they're square in the body, they're square. Yeah. And it's so funny because in Mongolia, the horses are left in herds to do as they please, and they geld whatever they don't like and let breed whatever they choose to let breed. And um and so they live in a very true to nature herd with a with a stallion that's leading them. And and they just go wherever they please. There's no fences. There's no... And they, they stick with the families though, don't they? Generally, because that's where food and everything else no, comes no, no. from. They can go wherever they like. Okay. They, so they, don't... So they just graze. Okay, but they don't hang around like where they can? No. So how do they get them? They just go out on bikes or other horses to go and collect them. Okay. And, and they just know really far. Yes, they just know like their their herd and where they're likely to go. Wow! Like the idea, that's why I said to you like there's more more things that I could tell you that are similar <laughs> than different, and and I guess that's kind of a common theme in my life. Well, you know me pretty well, and we spend a lot of time together. <laughs> but but I oftentimes, especially when you're you're feeling a little bit lumpy, I'll say to you, just try and look at the similarities. Mm. And and I, I do that in every situation. I'm like, what's similar about this? What is true horsemanship to me? When I watch, you know, a Pat Pirelli clinic or if I go and see this man riding a horse in Mongolia, what are the similarities? And the number one similarity is we ride in saddles. All of us seem to just ride in saddles. So they did predominantly, like, they always put tack on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Almost all of the horses were ridden in tack. And it was the same type of tack? 
Or was it the handmade? It's all handmade stuff for the most part. Tim was riding in a saddle that was kind of a like a wooden tree. Yeah. Um, with a kind of a metal frame on it, with a with a motorbike seat on the metal frame. Oh my gosh! So the saddle sat on the horse with the same tree style. It's kind of like a camel saddle. I don't. I've never ridden a camel. Oh, funny, funny thing that. I've never. Wow. Yeah, I've never ridden a camel. Okay, you and I are gonna ride a camel. Yeah, because I, I you can do that in Queensland, can't you? You can do it here. Okay, we're doing it. Um, <laughs> it's the, f the most fun. Is like I don't know what they call it on a camel, but I probably a pace. I've canted on a camel. Isn't it a pace? No, can camels race like they gallop. And so oh, girl, I, when we're done this, Kate Clark. Did you see Kate commented on our last video? No. Okay, Kate Clark, this one's for you. Camel racing. Because we're, you know, we're gonna go and ride we're in Saudi Arabia and we're drinking Sambuca and smoking from the hookah and we're gonna call Randy Tucker and talk about camel racing. I just wanted to remind you that that happened and I love you and I miss you very much. <laughs> I will tell you that story okay. later. It's not really a podcast, right? Okay. So. <laughs> um, Look forward to that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we're gonna camel go racing. riding on a camel. It's really fun. Okay. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> saddles. Saddles yeah. is a similarity so, between motorbike. Yeah, seat. with the motorbike seat on it. Right. And then I was. Would you was importance placed on, like, because we place so much importance on the fit of gear, and obviously we've got this big thing about how our saddles need to fit our horses correctly and all of that. These guys are, are riding over hundreds of kilometers at a time, and they're riding in a metal framed. Motorbike seat. Wooden frame. Yes. <laughs> Metal on top. Right. And then this is, yeah. Yeah. So, um, the, the difficulty with looking at this cross-cultural, for me, we spent 10 days with only the four of us being able to speak English. And nobody else spoke English. We spoke with hand signals. I tried to learn a little bit of Mongolian. It's quite difficult to learn. But I learned the basics. Um, thank you. No thank you. You know, toilet. Stop. Toilet was the reason we had to stop. So <laughs> Tim like Tim like this one. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> we go shitre shitre, and he'd turn around, and we'd be like. <laughs> oh. Somebody needs to go and take a poop in the giant litter box oh. because there's no tree cover. You know, it's just we stop. You just go and take a poop right there. Everybody can see you. <laughs> oh my gosh! You know, like okay, I don't think I'm going to Vancouver. It was pretty. It was pretty wild. Like you get really in this like crazy. Like a mentality that's unexplainable um, when you're traveling. Have you traveled overseas for like an extended period of time where you just turn no. into like brain? Your brain turns and into And I trauma. haven't traveled to the extent where I've been able to fully immerse myself in culture, yeah. but I want to so badly. That's all I ever do. Like, I don't I care how long I got. I only want to go and immerse myself in culture. <laughs> I don't want to go there for your souvenirs and your alcoholic beverages. I want to be a part of this. No toilets and, you know. Yeah. I'm all the way. I might struggle with the no toilets. But did you shower? No. For 10 days? We we bathed in rivers. Awesome. And together. Because eventually we just turned into like a weird group of four English-speaking strange people in a foreign place. We turned into like different people. Yeah. Um, and, and riding these horses, we had one person who had a total of three riding lessons under his belt. We had Tim who had probably about, 
He get a few kilometers, but not a whole lot. He could walk trot, rise to the trot, you know, stuff like that. Um, he, he's probably, if you were teaching him a lesson, you were just introducing sitting trot and starting to canter mm. uh, when we started this trip. Me, who, you know, I had been carriage driving for, I want to say, 11 years at that point. Mm. And, and I hadn't been on a horse in a long time, but I have a lot of lot behind me, a lot of kilometers behind me. And then Alex, who's probably riding at the time more than me, um, and but doesn't didn't have quite as much riding behind her. And she um uh, no, maybe she's been riding since she was a little kid. But um yeah, so like two very experienced riders and two dirt beginners. And um Tim takes everything quite seriously, you know him. What did they say the level that you needed to be at to go on this trip? Just anyone? Anybody. That surprises me. These horses were so wild feral and yet so compliant. It was amazing. Like I got kicked um, fairly badly and had to be, had to be taken the last you know, not even 70 kilometers out of a 600 kilometer trip mm. in a car. Um, because I asked a horse to move over. And that's not part of the culture. Mm. You don't ask horses to move over. You know, like, it's just to me, like, oh, this horse does everything that I would normally do. I can lead it. I can do all this stuff. I can back it up. I should be able to stand next to it and push it over. And he just whipped around, tried to kick me, and I got out of the way for the first one, but he clocked me with the second one, right in the side of the knee. I have a bone chip in there, and it just blew my knee apart. <laughs> it's just like, really bad. Like it was, yeah, but um, that's, again, neither here nor there. It was like a cultural experience for me because I had already spent nine days, nine and a half days on that horse. Mm. And I named him Hippo. You know, and, and it was so funny because we asked, we asked, um, we asked them what their names were when we got there and they, they didn't have them. Yeah. They didn't understand what we were asking. Mm. And, and, um, so I named mine Hippo. So they don't, what do they see? Like we would, we personalize our horses to, oh, like, yeah. to like a pet, you know, and we have that one or the two or however many, but. Generally, you've got, let's just hypothetically say, one, and you create that very unique bond with that one horse. Mm -hmm. So you're saying that they don't, they see them still as, like, you and I would see a, a herd of cows out in the paddock. No, no, because there is, like, I was watching Chitre, Chitre? Chitre? Chitre, who is our guy. And he was, <laughs> not next to him, he was riding. Like <laughs> He was riding in front of us and he had two pack horses mm. attached to him and he wouldn't even have to look back. He could just punch and he would kill the fly that he was on his horse. Like he, he was so well connected to that animal that he could just feel by the muscle tension where the fly was and he could just kill it. So like there was no, it, there was no disconnect. It was more connected in every way than than what we do to our horses because we take our horses and we purely natural 
horsemanship. Like it's just you and the horse going out in the middle of nowhere, surviving together, doing life. Yeah. There's yeah. none of that like, oh, I need to make my horse do artificial movements. Not even crazy. that, but but also like there's this, you're meeting in the middle. Mm. You know, we don't meet in the middle with our horses. Mm. Like some horses in Europe are lucky to see a paddock. You know, these horses are in the wild and you kind of have to be as wild as you can get to be able to meet in the middle with these horses. Mm. And they're, they're broken in as like one year olds. Yeah. But they spend so much time just doing whatever they want. We found a part of a horseshoe in the dirt and I never saw a set of horseshoes on a horse there. Mm. So like I know that there may or may not have been shoeing. I don't know how the farrier work works. I don't know how dental works, but I'm sure that those horses weren't living very long. Yeah. Like in, they're not living into their 25s. Yeah. They're probably just like brumbies. They're just yeah. wild and they but I mean their their feet all looks good to, you know, mm. to what you would expect. Um from people running running a TV from a car battery. Um, How was their condition? Yeah, yeah. We didn't see very many that were underweight. Lots of racehorses, and they look like racehorses. Racehorses, but so, they're breed. Yeah, what, what is yeah. the breed? It's the like Mongolian horses, just a Mongolian horse. Okay. So they have like a wild Mongolian horse. This is called a it starts with P, but they're almost extinct. They're really, really endangered. Mm. Um. And, yeah, so they do an annual, like, uh, festival every year. And each township does their own festival. And then I think the winners of those townships get together in the bigger groups and, and do the festival again. Um, and there's horse racing, wrestling, um, and I think there might be a couple of other things that they do. I'd have to look. But the wrestling and the horse racing were the only things that I was really interested yeah. in. <laughs> And, um, and Chidre offered for Tim to compete in the wrestling, <laughs> which is amazing because it's done in this little tiny <laughs> pair of underpants, blue underpants, and a little tiny shirt with just sleeves and like a strap along the back that attaches the two sleeves together. <laughs> you know, it's like a gray outfit and you just grapple the crap out of each other and you try and get the other one on the ground. Uh -huh. And it was just awesome to watch because everybody gets really into it. There's a dance that goes along <laughs> before they attack each other and they get all like poked up and, and then they, it's just really cool. And I have video and, and stuff of us watching it and, and she thought I was so excited to like show us because we ran into one in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. You know, because it was that season. And the horse racing starts with children mm -hmm. um, around like five or seven. And they, they ride at a full gallop with no saddle for, I think it's 90 kilometers. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's like a... It's like it's an like endurance kind of a thing. Yeah, at a gallop. And, and at the end of the ride, you, you see all these other family members on horses and they have to ride up to the horse that's coming into the gallop, get next to it, grab the kid because he's exhausted and he's going to fall off, and pull up the horse. It's wild. And then they do different age brackets. And so at the very beginning of our trip, 
we came to this first family and the, the kids were had, they were closer to the town, kind of, but towns aren't a, weren't a thing originally in Mongolia. They're nomadic people. It's, mm. They just move around. But there was a town that we started in. And the kids that were close to the town spoke English a little bit more. And so we got to know these kids a little bit. They, they interacted with us a little bit more. And we helped them herd some sheep and some goats, and it was really neat. And um, then, <laughs> then we left. We go on this big trek. And then we come back. It's like day eight. And we see this little boy, and he comes up to us. And he shows us this medal he's got. And he came in first in his race. And he was this tall. Oh, God. Like, he was this tall being, like, not even, um, like, he was a meter, maybe, mm. in height. He was four feet tall. And I was just blown away that this little kid. Yeah, so the little kid. Yeah, just nailed it. And we got to meet him before and then after. He was, all his friends were coming by his house. And so it was really cute. But, um, yeah, so the similarities are, you know, there's racing, there's competitive sport. Yeah. There's saddles in different regards. And when you ask about, like, saddle fitting and things like that, in a way, I believe that that they're, the way that they're, the comfort of their horses was so important to them because they were working animals. Mm. Um, so I don't think, I don't think that they, any of those horses were ever put in situations where they would get sore. Mm. Um, and it's different too because they're just kind of like walking on like straight lines and stuff. Like yeah, yeah. In the type of work they're doing. Yeah, uphills. We, we climbed this mountain and it was the scariest thing I had ever done on a horse or anything. And it was just sheer cliff edge with loose rocks but also big, big rocks and little, but it was just a cliff edge like as far as you could see down and we're going along and at one point I'm sitting in my saddle just holding on to my horse and I have my eyes closed because I'm like I'm not gonna steer him he's gonna do this job and I'm gonna be fine and Tim's like oh there's a big one coming <laughs> and he's in front of me and I'm like I don't want to know <laughs> and he steps down from this yeah like a step down and my feet and his belly hit the rock that he stepped down from. yeah and I just went, holy fuck, <laughs> I'm going to die today, you know? And, and Shidre is up at the front just like, got two pack horses, like, it's like nothing. And, and then he kind of uh, expressed to us via someone else later on that we got the, the more challenging ride because he could see the experience that all of us had. Yeah. Not the boys, but us, you know? So we ended up doing this cliff face, and I, I would never do that again. Like, that was just way too much for me. You didn't find it, like, thrilling? No. <laughs> no, I don't you find... You feel accomplished? No. When I look death in the face, I go, go away! I didn't want to see you today! <laughs> I don't come away I'm from getting it. a cramp, people. Sorry. <laughs> Are you getting a cramp in your leg? Yeah, all the way oh, down. The you middle. need something to the... To uh, the I'm kind of doing a lot doing a grasshopper move ring mantis I'm getting a cramp through the inside of my leg yeah it's pretty golden uh, to watch um 
Okay, so saddles. What? Okay, what about the actual? Go more into like the relationship. Like I've been to other countries. Like I've been to Africa, and when I went there, like I went to Cairo and Egypt, and you know they they have horses there. Not really to they. they I I didn't see anywhere where they used them um, as a family pet or as like for pleasure or anything like that the only place i saw horses was around the pyramids and they were for tourism mm -hmm. and you would walk down like these guys would just like harass you down the street and say come 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 and you'd walk down some dingy dark alleyway somewhere and go into some wreckage of a house and walk inside and there was these horses skin and bones with wounds like gaping pussy wounds like you would not even think that horse could be, be alive. walking yeah. at all you know we saw maggots infested in wounds and that kind of thing and they're trying to get these tourists on these horses to ride them to the pyramids and you know we we caught a horse and carriage and the driver just kept whipping the absolute hell out of this horse yeah. and um the people that i was with at the time ended up lying and telling the guy that i was some secret animal police or something in Australia and that I would arrest him if I saw him treating his horse like that and the guy was really nice um, after that but I just found that they had no regard for the animal as a, a living breathing feeling thing it didn't really matter yeah and it's funny you say that because they like there's a like a like a people like an Australian company that works in things called Fluffy Kenny, Fluffy something. Um, I'll, I'll actually post a link down below if you guys want to help these people out. They are in Egypt and they help horses that are dying. It's needed there. Like it yeah. is so bad there. The cruelty. I didn't see one horse that, and I, I've seen, you know, some bad horses and I know that different countries have different circumstances. I wasn't expecting to see amazing condition, no. but I'm talking it's beyond all anything. hip bones. Like you yeah. could see all hip bones, gaping wounds, bleeding. And the problem is too, that there are some belief structures um, where they believe in like searing. So if a horse is like mildly lame, they just burn the area and then it causes them to gain infection and things mm -hmm. like that, which can be horrible. But I, yeah, I will post a link in the description down below. I really think it's important for people to, especially in countries like this, you can support them by, you know, buying vet equipment. You can support them by just even $2. Like, it doesn't yeah. matter. Anything will help these people. And they're, they're, um, they're I believe that they are Australians in, in or maybe they're European. It's just... Um, Reminds me, like yeah, I deal is. with like animal activists on a daily basis in one of my jobs, and you know they go on and on about how uh, animal cruelty and everything. But in the grand scheme of things, we have it so good so here. Good. And if if only like I'm not against animal activists at all. I'm not against that that thing. You know, I think I even I've been I've had to bear the brunt of them, and I think they're a force to be reckoned with but they're just misguiding all their energy Absolutely. toward things that look i understand where some of it comes from and a lot of it is is uh miseducated like they're not educated and a lot of them don't know any different they're told one thing and so they believe it yeah but you've got to look at like in the grand scheme of things here we've got 
you know, even the racing industry, we can say that it's bad and people disagree with it, but when you've got horses it's like that in Cairo that are whipped and forced, like I've seen people that would have been 200 kilos put on like a 15 hand skinny pony. Yeah. Like you can see the videos all yeah. over the internet of people yeah. that the horses can't even walk. Yeah. You know, they will, you know, and horses are a strong animal, but when you put them in those kinds of conditions, you know, so they have no energy to be able to do yeah, that. So the, the absolute opposite I saw in Mongolia. Mm. So we did see this disconnect uh, at evening times between horses that are not working. They're just way out wherever. But the horses that are going out the next day or whatever are either pegged to the ground. So they have like a long lead and they just graze and they just peg to the ground. Or they're tied to like posts and rails that are above them. And they just stand there. Um, fight with each other sometimes. Or groom each other, depending on which horses are next to each other. Mm. Um, and, uh, and then one house, we came to the lady. They obviously, everybody had their own kind of different jobs that they did. Some people had sheep, some people had goats, some people had race horses, some people had, you know, whatever. And these people obviously bred horses because there was quite a few horses around and there was horses and there were, the kids were breaking in a young horse when we got there and like that kind of stuff. And we got there and there was this foal. Oh my God, was it cute. Just, and it was, you could see that it didn't have a mum. You know, it had been orphaned. And, and I don't know if anybody else has seen this, um, but when foals are young and they have to eat grass, they get this like really big belly. And he's also fed goat's milk and yak milk and whatever mm. other types of milk. But he's trying to do his little thing and graze. And we just were, the four of us were just like, oh my God, like his hooves were like the size of my three little fingers. He was still so little and baby. And I have pictures of me putting my three little fingers against his little hoof. Mm. It's so cute. And he just wanted us to love him. And in the evening time, they just brought him into the girl. They're like, you just come into our little house. Sleep with us. <laughs> you know? Like, like, that's, and I was so wondering. like a dog. Yeah, kind of. Uh, I, I was wondering why he smelled like the inside of a girl. Like, like when I held him and loved him and cuddled with him, he just smelled like the inside of a girl. And I was like, weird. It's a girl for everyone listening. It's like one of their little houses. Yeah, it's like a round, mobile house. So it's got walls and a roof and they, like... Like a tent. Like a huge tent, except really insulated, very thick, very sturdy, not going anywhere. And then they have the ground set up and it's just one room and they have kind of the three beds or two beds or whoever lives in there. And, you know, you're living with your mom and your dad. And you're full... And you're full. <laughs> and every time that your mom and dad decide that they're going to make a baby, they're just doing it right there in front of you. You know, like, that's, they live in one house. Everybody's just, there's no walls. I wonder how that is. Perfectly normal. But think about how wonderfully normal it would be if sex was just normal for everyone. We'd be able to all talk about it like it was not... I think like, like taboo. that that brings in like that whole thing about insecurities and, and body and everything as well, doesn't it? Yeah. Because like we're constantly trying to hide things and, and be clothed and you just like, you know, there becomes like that whole thing about what's appropriate when you're young or old. Yeah. You know, it's not appropriate once you're past age four to be having showers with mom and dad. 
Yeah, yeah, but guys, we're all out there at like 25 in the river going, <laughs> yeah, you know, and uh, and it's so funny because that family had more kids than some of the other families. Yeah, and that family also had a secondary girl because I believe their their grandmother and grandfather lived with them. Okay, but they lived in their own little girl, mm. and I think that's where the foal actually stayed in the little girl with the grandparents, not in the big girl with all the kids. Because I bet the kids would have been playing with that little dude all night long. So, so, um, they, this particular family, she was a very well-endowed woman. And, and they were all out there for everyone to see. Like, she had so much cleavage. And she was just... You know, milk and things. <laughs> I was just and her bras. No, no bra. Just having a great time. And I was like, no wonder she's got so many kids. Like, oh wow. <laughs> yeah. And it was so, so great to see, uh, like, just the just the raw interaction between everyone. Imagine how secure they are naturally. Like the kids growing up in an environment like that, where they don't have to worry about pressures of like society and what you look like and mm -hmm. all of that like that's just normal but it's a different type of pressure you know like you'd have probably the pressure as a boy to be become either a good wrestler or or ride really well um or be able to herd animals really well and the women all had to you know be able to make the cheeses be able to make the breads be able to make you know all of the different types of things that they made so i don't think the pressures would be the same at all but i do think the pressures would be just as strong mm. to be able to fill the role that you needed to fill so yeah i think the one other really neat horsemanship thing that we saw in mongolia on our way back this is probably day eight seven or eight we get up and the horses had been pegged to the ground not tied to a post um and or railing i guess i should say and um and I got up and Tim was doing something and he went to go and say hello to his horse, I think. And, or get something off his back, maybe. And then when he got back, he, my horse did, maybe didn't realize Tim was there or maybe he was just feeling fresh, whatever. Pulled the tent peg out and just pissed off. And pissed off good. Mm. Like, bye! <laughs> See ya! <laughs> and went for, like, we couldn't see him anymore. And it's pretty flat in Mongolia, where yeah. we were. And he was gone. And he started going up a mountain and blah, blah, blah. There was like a little hill over there. So they got on the dirt bike. surprising for a horse to go all that way by itself. It was like the rest time. of them. <laughs> just hanging out. Yeah. Bah! Say hola! Just gallops off. And, um, and so they go to get the dirt bike. And they, they Shidre, the guide, and, and you know, whatever. And so then everybody else gets their horses. She maybe she really stayed. I can't remember how it went. Whatever. We all got the horses ready, and everyone mounted up except me. And I had my little backpack on, and I'm walking along with the horses. And Tim felt bad, so we got off his horse and led his horse. And uh, and we were walking together, and Shidre comes back with the horse and gives it to me, and I hop on. Tim hops on, and my horse is lame, like, mm. visibly lame. And I was, like, kind of concerned, you know, and 
So I said, Shitre, Shitre, and he like turned around and, and then I make a motion, like a, like a lameness motion with the rhythm of my horse as yeah. he's going. And, and he looks at me like, stupid white girl, of course I know your horse is lame. What do you, what do I look like, chop liver? Like, <laughs> I've been working with these horses all my life and you're just telling me that your horse is lame. <laughs> you know, he's like, and then he gives me the smile like, mm-hmm, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're getting there. You know, I'm like, okay. And we just keep riding along. My horse is like, bang, 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 bang. And then we stop early in the day, which is unusual for us. And we normally stop kind of later in the day and then end. Um, we stop early in the day and we're like, okay, well, this is weird. Uh, oh, I guess we'll set up everything to make lunch. Um, and we set up our little stove thing that we normally set up. And, and then she's kind of looking at us like, I don't know what you guys are doing, but this is too early to be doing that. But he just shuffles off with my horse and meets up with these other people in Iker that didn't look like they were terribly welcoming. Like we had to actually stay quite far away from this particular girl and he went um, to go and speak to them and we were not invited in, which was the first time mm. that we had not been invited. So it obviously in. wasn't part of the tour thing. This was like a... Yeah, yeah. yeah. We stopped and, and it, they these people... So the culture... Um, he knows which people will invite us in and which people won't and blah, blah, blah. So he gets there and he takes my horse and they're talking about him and blah, 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 and looking at him and talking about him and looking at him. And then they put a lasso around his, like, the, the where his loins mm. and the base of his waist is. Mm. And they have a lead on the front of him. No, they don't. They just have the lasso around him. And then they tighten the lasso a little bit and he starts to buck. And they kind of pull on the lasso a little as he's bucking and having a meltdown. And then loosen the lasso, he stops bucking. They take it off, they tack him back up, I get on and he's sound as the day he was born. It was unreal. Like I've just never, like I understand we do chiropractics and we do all like, you know, we love to have our masseur come out to our horses, it's very important. My horse needs to be supple. But like these Walk guys, it out. yeah, these guys he literally just snapped himself back. Yeah, he was just place. like, no, I know exactly which vertebrae or whatever's going on here, and I can just adjust his hip just the right way. And that's the horsemanship that I saw in Mongolia. Yeah, it was unspeakable horsemanship that I couldn't grasp. Mm. It was so unreal. Um, and then and then fly, you know, anywhere. He, there was a fly on the horse's rump. He'd just tap it, and he'd never look back. He knew exactly what that horse was saying to him all the time. And, and it was so funny because another similarity that I saw with the Mongolians is they ride with their feet facing forward. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and it's not a natural way for us as humans to yeah, no, The yeah. toes outer is, is a natural way. And, and you know it, I know it, anybody who's taught Constantly me telling my students, put your toes in. <laughs> but I'll, I'll teach you a trick for that one later with the chickens and the pulling and the... Yeah. Yeah, it works really well. Um... But yeah, they they all ride with the legs really parallel, and that was that was a neat thing to notice. Um, and turn means stop and pull means or t pull means stop and turn means go like or turn means turn, mm. legs mean go. Um, but a lot of verbal cues too. Like we had a gallop at one point, and you know me, I'm not keen to gallop anything. Yeah, and I'm. But the the funny part for me wasn't wasn't the fact that I wasn't keen to gallop, was the fact that I was like, my husband's gonna die. <laughs> my husband 
doesn't know how to gallop, he can't gallop. And Alex is like, see ya. And we're like, damn it, Alex. And she starts going off. And I'm like, Ugh. and I start galloping off. And then Tim's horse is, and Tim's coming up next to me like, yeah. <laughs> like, this is the best time of my life. <laughs> and then all he wanted to do was gallop, you know. Yeah. But, um. And then it got him a little cocky, and when we came back and we were living at Peppercorn, he's like, I can canter, I galloped in Mongolia. Uh, <laughs> it's a bit different on a flat striding pony. Well, he was, he was riding a huge kind of dopey thoroughbred crossed with something fat and with big ears and a Roman nose. Really? Yeah, because I was I was managing a riding school, so he we were there all the time. Ah, and sometimes. Oh no! Horses... I thought you were talking about in Mongolia. <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh. He came here and then he was. Right. But galloping in Mongolia he gave him all this. Yeah. Thought that he had right. all the skills. So he's like, I can canter. And I'm like, No, you can't. <laughs> you can hold on. And then I said, well, Okay, go for it then. And then he tried, and he got a stride in, and then he fell off. <laughs> It was pretty funny. I felt bad, but it was also uh, funny. I told you. Yeah. I didn't say that. I just said, well, next time you should listen to the professionals. Yeah. Hop back on, ride it out. What about, okay, so was Mongolia the only international experience you've had with horses? Um, I had some in Europe, in Ireland. I had a little bit in in Mexico. Mexico is really similar to... to that kind of poor, they just do the job, mm. you know, they're, they're not well taken care of. I was actually surprised recently, I went back to Bali the second time, and mm. I saw horse-drawn carriages in Bali mm. that I had never seen before, and I was really, really surprised at the condition. They were really good. <laughs> they were top-notch, show-fat pony <laughs> condition, and they were ponies. Yeah. Pulling little two-person wagons around and they were trotting down the street or whatever, yeah. barefoot. Yeah. But, I mean, the roads aren't like ours, so that was no. fine. And they weren't, like, they were just popping along and they looked perfectly happy, but they were show pony fat. And I did not <laughs> expect to see that in Bali. Yeah, no kidding. You know, but they obviously, I, I didn't look any further into it. I know there's a quite a prestigious riding school in Bali where they've got some Grand Prix horses you can go have lessons on and that type of thing. So there is an industry that's been bought over by Europeans that mm -hmm. is all built there. But as far as like just locals owning horses, I have no idea. They probably keep them out near the pineapple fields or something. I don't know. But like I was just surprised at how like that. that yeah, that was really surprising. I was really impressed with that. I just expected to see something that Let I wouldn't like. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to think of other places like Tim, horses, Fiji. Yeah, Tim and I did, we went to the Philippines yep. uh, for a little bit. And a little bit being a very loose term, we were there for not even 24 hours. Okay. Um, and we tried to cram as much Philippines as possible into that 24 hours. Yeah. Um, and we got off, it was 5.30 in the morning or 6 in the morning or something, we got off the plane. And I see a Starbucks. I'm like, sweet! You know, and we're like, we got dropped off. The taxi just dropped us off in the middle of Manila. We're like, sweet, cool. I see a Starbucks. I'm like, all right, cool. And then um, the nice, cool, neat part about Manila is, like, when you're walking around at that time of the morning, everyone's like, good morning! Good morning, how are you? Good morning! Uh -huh. It was just, like, really cute. And we're just walking around and all these people. And then there's, like, random, have you... 
you've been to a couple of foreign countries where they have like random just like jazzer size. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> no? Okay, China does it, Mexico does it. Where like oftentimes early morning on a weekend or early morning on a weekday, all the moms just find a like a public square and they play music and then there's one leader. <laughs> and they all dance to this music. And I I've seen it in in I saw it in China when I was there. Mm -hmm. And I also saw it in Mexico and then I saw it in the Philippines. Okay. So I know it's a like a it's, it's a, a thing. thing. Right. It's a thing. Okay. And those countries are very far apart from yeah. each other. So um, yeah, they're all doing that. And I have video of Tim and I just watching these people doing their like exercise. There's probably 40 of them. Wow. You know, just having a great time, free exercise in the morning. Yeah. And I took some photos and then we walked along, uh, saw a couple of the, we saw the American embassy and we saw the Canadian embassy and stuff. And then all of a sudden I hear, I'm like, what the? We're like in the middle of Manila and there's this little guy, he's trotting down the road. <laughs> He's like green gear, like Asha. He's got green poly gear on. He's got little riding him. No, he's got a little carriage. Uh, it's like a little tiny four person twin axle, yeah. just a little boopy boop. And uh, and I was like, Tim! And he's like, okay. I just will flag him down. And he gave us the best tour of Manila. That oh, yeah. I. He was just. We're stopping here, taking a picture, stopping here, taking a picture. Doesn't. Speaking English, but he stops us at all these landmarks, takes photos of us at these landmarks, gets us back in the carriage, and then he brings us through an area that is not well developed. Which is what you want to see when you go into these countries. You don't I love want. Immersion. Yeah. I love immersion. And and I think he probably saw us kind of wavering on on like we don't really want our pictures taken with that many monuments anymore. Like we're kind of yeah. done with this. And so he drives us into the ghetto mm. and brings us around this little way and there's like a like a really lovely graveyard and stuff on the top of a hill and we kind of go around and and it's like you know it smells like the toilets are on the street and all that stuff and parks the little horse and he gets there and it's obviously where he lives oh my gosh and like his family's there and the road and remember, it's really early, so now it's probably about 9 a.m. And and then the guy, one of his friends goes, oh, blah, 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 and, like, and it gets behind this one kind of area and like slides this wood across and he makes this little like shop front from his house where he just serves beer. <laughs> like, <laughs> like he just has whatever's in his kitchen, you know, like whatever's there. Yeah. And he's like, do you guys want beer and blah, blah, blah. And we pay him, it's like $2 or like a dollar. And we just sit around and then all these kids, like I can see, like I am, as a red-headed white girl, anytime I go to Mexico or, you know, the Philippines or China, it's like, I'm an anomaly. Mm. People are amazed. They look in my eyes and they go, whoa, you know. And, and the freckles that people like touch them and they try and like pick at them. It's really <laughs> funny. And so I'm sitting there with it's Tim. Good thing that you're secure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Tim's blonde yeah. and, and white as the, the snow. And we're sitting there talking broken English with these people. And then he takes the carriage off his horse momentarily and puts it in this little like nook, like this yeah. space. 
and and like gives a little food thing and the horse just starts eating and that's like obviously where it lives right next to it is the doorway to his like home that that doesn't have a door on it and there's like three or four people sleeping in there it's just like it was all just really tight you know and uh these little kids come out and I've got a bear that travels with me and takes photos everywhere. His name is Roger. He was given to me a long time ago. And he has a photo of him in a cockpit of a 747 before it was against the rules for you to go to the cockpit. You know, that was a big deal. He's a big deal bear. <laughs> and the kids come over and they're looking at me and they don't want to touch me. And, you know, and then I kind of like reach out, like, do you want to, do you want to say hello to my bear? And like... These kids are just, I have photos of me like interacting with these kids and they were just blown away by the whole experience. And then after his horse had a little refreshing break, you know, he hooks it back up to the garage and he goes, ah, and we get in and then he takes us to this market and there's just fruit I have never seen in my life. And then he says to me, sweet. And I was like, okay. And then he like picks up some things and then I go, what about that one? And he goes, sour. And I was like, I'll try that anyways. So he, we take some. And we start opening these fruits and we're like looking at all this stuff as we're going past. And then I offer him, he goes, sweet? And I was like, okay. So I like offer him some of the sweet one. And we're like eating these crazy fruits. They were stunning fruits. And it was just a really neat experience. He even let me that drive. That's amazing. He let me drive. Wow. And so I got to drive this little horse and he was like very impressed with my driving. <laughs> and then he took us into this building. Parked the horse wherever. And the horse just stands, you know. Yeah. And we go into the building and we go into the basement and it's a gun range. And he gives us like automatic weapons. <laughs> like full on assault rifle. I have two. Okay, sounds should... amazing. I want to go to Manila. Oh, it, honestly, but we spent so much money in whatever, like 10 hours, eight, whatever. Um, it was stupid amounts of money. Really? Yeah. But an amazing. Totally a story. Like, it worth sounds it. like he's there for a week. Yeah. Yeah, it was unreal. It was unreal. That was another... And his horse was quite well looked after. Yeah. You know? um, but he bit. Mm. I tried to pet him. Sometimes he tried to take my clothing. I'd be like, don't you get cut. And he was like, mm. You know, he's like very impressed by the fact that I was like telling his horse, don't pet me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it was pretty... I think some of the saddest horse um, experiences I had were probably in Mexico. Mm. They're a little bit like that, you know, like a horse is owned by somebody if it's got a rope around its neck. It's yeah. It's just roaming around, you know. It's kind of like that feel that you get with the horses in Egypt and, mm. and stuff. But yeah, I think Fiji was pretty good. Yeah. They have like a, I mean, there's only really one place that they do like a trail ride through the rainforest, but all the horses are in really good condition. Um, but they have been westernized. I feel like some of these countries have horses because they know that we like horses and so they're westernized like they they're putting they're riding all the horses in um all-purpose all saddles yeah you know even in egypt they had you know normal saddles you yeah. know um actually we're, we're talking about camels yeah. i've got photos of all the police in egypt are on camels so they have mounted police, but they ride camels, and they're sitting there, and their mounted police uniform is like a big, um, like hijab thing for guys. Yeah. And the you just see them in like this full uniform, and their camels have matching like saddle blankets. Oh, cute. And um, they're like parked outside of all the tombs, and 
the walkways and it's yeah, just yeah. this um, police officer sitting on his camel. Yeah. That's it's, pretty cool. Yeah. I rode a police camel. <laughs> if you pay anyone enough in these countries, they will let you do anything. Well, I mean, speaking of paying enough and, and enjoying horses in a different country, I would love to go to, you know, Spain or Germany and do one of those retreats, those dressage retreats. I just need somebody to do it with. I was going to say, I'll do it, but I like the wild, the wild red sounds fun. Yeah, I mean, like, we're going to get culturally immersed. If if we're in Germany, it's going to be a wild ride. <laughs> it's going to be hard. Yeah. They're going to they're gonna have us up at 4 a.m. cleaning stables. No, no, you can, not, I'm not saying doing an exchange program. I'm <laughs> saying paying way too much money to ride, like, FEI-level horses. Uh-huh. And you know. around a fancy dressage stable. Yeah, and then, and then go and experience, like, Italy or something. I think Italy would be more fun. Yeah. <laughs> Because I think Spain would be amazing. Spain would be cool too. Because a lot of the Spanish riding schools have a really unique flavor. I think that would be different. Yeah, we'd be riding a lot of like PRAs and stuff like that. That'd be pretty cool. And they're really popular right now. People and really they have, that. other than the disciplines that we're used to, they have their own, like, they have... Um, the Lipizzana Stallion whole... Yeah, but they also do, like, um, the, the fighting and everything, but um, y- they have competitions where they have to do the riding with the pole, but they're not actually bullfighting. Yeah. Um, and they also do a lot of that in-hand, uh, what is it, like the handy mount kind of things, where they have to run and do all the... Like, yeah. All that, but they That's do cool. it on Spanish Andalusians that are all, like... Yeah, I think the only problem that I would have is like I already have enough problems of trying to keep my horse from being in Rolker. Like, <laughs> please stop! <laughs> I'm riding you on the buckle. Put your nose down, <laughs> you know. And I feel like if uh, I went to Spain, I'd just be more people would just increase the amount of Rolkery well, so type I, business that I I'm trying to get away from. I've never done full Western. Oh, really? You missed my birthday. Was it last year or the year before? Must have been last year. I got, like, all of my horsey friends together, and we went. Just Jamie came. Really? Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure she did. And Beck. I know Beck came and Mel came. And then Jesse Fleming, my coach, came. And, like, a whole bunch of us went. And we rode at uh, Roy Marchington's place. And he taught us Western. I've always wanted to do like one of those big long cattle drives in um Good God. What is it? In uh like Arkansas or like the Texas yeah, or like, like anything just hot hot cook or like chase mm. cows. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'd much rather do something more rolker and slow. <laughs> <laughs> I don't actually want to do any rolker. I would like to try and make something less rolker. But I still wanted those slow. <laughs> Um, and, like, we could do something in Canada through the Rockies. They do a lot of... That would be amazing. But I, again, I've already done this whole mountain thing, and I'm not down with it. <laughs> okay, so let's stick away from mountains. Yeah. But I do like that. Like, Ooh. that Mongolia thing sounds amazing. It was amazing. And it was cheap as dirt. Just cheap as dirt. Really? Holy. I thought it was, like, we 10 did, grand. No, we did 10 days, and it was maybe $100 a day. Maybe. Mm. Probably 40 <laughs> wow. Like, Tim and I probably paid $100 a day together. Wow. It was cheap as chips. 
So how did you organize that from here? Uh, we organized it with a friend who we met partway. Right. So um, if you guys want any details on who to talk to in Mongolia to go on a really cool Mongolian horseback track, um, you can just make a comment down below in the comment section or anything and I can try and put you in touch. Tim has his And if anyone's here. had their own experience on some like international yeah. thing, like I think, you know how you were like, oh, you and I should do a podcast somewhere unique? Yes. I think we should do a podcast on like our unique experience. You know what we should try? Imagine we should try Jess and Red traveling around the world. Uh, we should try and record an entire podcast while riding. We could do that. Once we get, like, mic'd up. I yeah, like that would gonna... be so funny because you'd be yelling at me going, Jess! <laughs> Just move your ass. <laughs> outside leg! Outside, no outside leg! <laughs> Which one is your outside, Jess? <laughs> I don't know. I'm doing a lateral movement. <laughs> yeah. I don't understand. Yeah, I think, I think that might be fun. That Maybe would just... be really cool if we could... Somehow, like yeah, and, yeah. and just I could just everyone knows the funny stuff, and you talk to yourself and you talk to your horse, and yeah. there'll be like weird noises going on, yeah. and You'll be heavy really breathing, a lot of heavy breathing, <laughs> so much, especially for my I'm like Darth Vader. Swear words, though. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> might be some swear words, yeah, we can beep them out. No, we swore in this podcast. I did by accident. At some point, I said the F word. Yes, you did. I said a big one. Mm. And I don't, I don't spend enough time in the post-production to clean that up. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, anybody is young and listening. But I said that accidentally in front of my groom the other day. Whoopsies. I apologized immediately for him. Good. Because she's only a baby. Good. You should see how her riding is coming along. A plus. Mm. I'm very proud of her. Proud, proud moment. Yeah. I put her on Asha. Oh, really? How yeah. You? Well, really good because my toe is broken. Mm. Um, I can't ride on the horses that I would normally ride, and so I'll like cool them out or warm them up, and then just put her on, and then take them up, take her off or whatever, just to get the kilometers in. But she's catching on. I can say stuff really fast now, and she does it right away. Yeah, it's really really good. She's really understanding what you're asking. Yeah. yeah, and with Asha, it's a lot. All the time. Yeah. I find that a lot, like, sometimes teaching people, especially, like, in the startup of their riding, and you're trying to correct things, and you're constantly having to reiterate things. Like, they'll fix their hands, and then you, you say heels down, and then the hands go back up, hands down, and blah, blah, blah. But yeah. So you're pointing out all these things, hands together, hands down, hands up, you know, heels down, toes in, sit up tall, mm -hmm. bum in the saddle, like, all these things. But relaxed. <laughs> It's so funny because I start to teach the kids just the keywords. So I'll go, blah, 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 toes, and then they'll fix their toes. Yeah, hands. Yeah, fingers, and what's another one that I use? Eyes, look, look. Mm. That's a big one I say a lot. Look around the corner. Look over there. Look at me. How many fingers do I have up? Stop looking at your jump. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I've had to, like, I know it's a bad habit, but I've had to start occasionally telling different students to look at their hands for a second because I will constantly correct them when their hands are, like, one forward and one behind. And, and I'm like, bring your hands together. And they're like, I am. And I'm like, no, you're not. Look. They're feeling the connection on the horse, but they've got one hand forward and one hand back. 
I'm like, look down, look at, oh, okay, you know, and it's not a great habit to teach them to look down, but they're not, you know, sometimes you think you're doing something and you're not to you Do realize. any of them ride with sticks? A lot of them have never had to ride with sticks and they're only mm -hmm. just starting to now. If you get them to put the stick yeah, on their to thumbs. teach them not to. Yeah, well. and, then they, and they, then that changes it, or you put a piece of bale twine mm. and that, that also helps. Um, there's a lot of like funny little tricks that you can do with, with kids trying to, body kinetics are early age, it's very difficult for them to know where their legs I are. I think the other thing that I'm finding is that connection between isolating your, from your waist up to your waist down and being able to move their seat just through their hip and yeah. their pelvis and moving their pelvis without moving their body. Yeah. So I think um, we're getting a, an automatic, uh, one of those virtual Very cool. simulators. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we're getting a simulator eventually. Yeah. Um, and that'll be really cool for that kind of thing. And it's funny because like a simple one that I really got to make people realize what to do so you sit like a princess. <laughs> and then they sit like a princess. Yeah. And then they bum loose and they sit like a little princess. And and for the boys I always say sit like a king. And um Have you found that some things like uh like I notice and I'm like, okay, that didn't work. Like you'll say, okay, shoulders back and I find they just go like this yeah. and they're still leaning forward. I'm like, no yeah. shoulders back. But and it's that, okay, no, bring your shoulders back to your hip or like they I know like for the little bend kids, from the hip like I'll say pretend I'm pulling your ponytail mm. and that brings their whole hair back because that's where the tilt needs to come from yeah top. I'm, I'm I'm pulling your ponytail I'm gonna come over there I'm gonna get it <laughs> you know and and I've taught a lot of kids little kids in my day and I've learned a lot of interesting things from the coaches around me you learn a lot from the people mm. around you and, and the more breadth of knowledge that they have. Like I really watched today because mm -hmm. I knew there was stuff that, you know, I really got to learn. And I just watched today and I just know now that I'm just trying to do way too much in those group lessons. Yeah. Um, just slow it down a bit. Mm -hmm. It's funny because, um, because sometimes I'll, I'll see a lesson done and I'll go, oh, I like that. I saw a lesson done the other day, and it was a 20-meter circle, and it had all the hats set out, just the tangent point hats, off the track. Mm -hmm. So it was only like a 17-meter circle. And then an extra four hats to make it a perfectly round circle. And the teacher was getting them to weave through the hats, mm -hmm. and then change their rising diagonal every time that they weave through the hats. Mm -hmm. Wow. Left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right. And I was like, wow, that's awesome. For a kid that, you know, you can make it easy, just weave through the hats, go on the outside, go on the inside. And then you can start to develop that. And then I fed it to one of my students without trying it first myself. And then she was finding it quite challenging. I said, you can do it, you can do it. And she, you know, struggled her way through and blah, 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 blah. And then I moved to another exercise that was, you know, something that's a little bit firmer in my repertoire. And so then I grabbed a horse and I put hats out for myself and I rode it. And I realized because you have an even number of hats, if you ride the wrong hats, it is nearly impossible. But if you ride the correct, like if you ride 
so your circle is here. Mm -hmm. If you ride the outside, the inside, the outside, the inside, the outside, and make it pointy, then it's almost impossible to ride. But if you ride it like a square, it's really quite easy yeah. to ride. And I was like, oh, <laughs> that's the problem. <laughs> it was impossible. <laughs> Sorry, wow. if my if Lexi's listening to this, I'm sorry, Lexi. That that lesson was quite difficult, and I did it later. And I'm sorry. <laughs> Next lesson is no stirrups, same yeah. exercise. Yeah, exactly. It was hard, and I was riding a little pony in the side. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's a kind of a fun one to keep in the back pocket later on. You know. Have you ever had moments where, like, you're teaching something and you're so adamant? And then you realize that you're wrong. Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. Absolutely. Absolutely. I've told people, change your diagonal. I'm on the right diagonal. Oh yeah, you are. Good girl. I was just testing you. I don't I don't say, oh you must have changed it. I mean, yeah. Oh, oh, you must have tripped. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever it needs to be. Oh my god. You're on the ball today. <laughs> you know, whatever. It's uh, That one happens to me fairly often. Come on, I'll just see the butt of them and I'll be like, ah, they look like they're on the wrong diagonal. No so I have to say, have you checked your diagonal? <laughs> have you checked that? Yes, I have. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, that's it for us. I hope you enjoyed this multicultural podcast. Yes. And um, a little off topic at the end. Yeah. Okay, yeah. We'll, we'll figure out a way around. Please, if you guys have had any experiences like internationally or even in Australia or whatever, recommend them to us. In I kind of want to do Japan. I think Japan. Would be I would. Sick. Look, I really want to go to Japan. Yeah. Please tell me you'll come to Japan with me. Well, Tim will. Tim will definitely be down with Japan. All right. Well. Good night. Good night. Bye, guys. Bye.